1: We are going to jump into Mailbag here, so don't go anywhere because we're not leaving. But before we transition to the Daily Mailbag, make sure you hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, and share the podcast. The reason it's important that you hit that notification bell, because tonight, when we set our show for tonight, because we will be going live around 7 o'clock, you're going to want to get updated on that. If tomorrow, for example, let's say, um, Ryan, that we're going to have a show around 4 o'clock to talk about a commitment... You know, you you're gonna wanna know that. You're gonna wanna have that notification bell pop up. So uh, you know, so if we do have a second show tomorrow, you're gonna wanna know that, right? So you definitely wanna hit that notification bell, sign up for the message boards. We we continue to just grow. I can't I'm shocked that we continue to get the numbers we've gotten during a slow time of the year. Having yep. worked in a place like this before, you just don't grow the way we're growing in May and June which is very, very exciting. We thank you all for it. Uh, Diablo Rivera also said he just signed up for the message boards. Great info. We appreciate you very, very much. I think I sent you an email this morning with your, uh, your promo code. Cause when you do sign up, you do get a promo code for the merch store, 10% off your whole purchase. If you sign up for the monthly membership and you get a 20% off discount, if you sign up for an annual membership, or if you sign, if you join one of the booster clubs, the, the gold, the blue or the shamrock. So Ryan, let's dive into some questions. And obviously a lot of them are geared towards the topic we've been discussing, but there are some others. I did want to pull up this super chat from Charlie Weiss's last belt loop. Thank you for this. says, what happens to the recruiting class that expected Dante to be at Notre Dame? If he doesn't come, seems like Drake Bowen leaked Intel on Dante, not talking to kids in the class in over a week, seems like dad is in the way of Dante. I, I don't really want to spend too much time on Dante Moore. I want this to to be more about about CJ Carr. But I I think, look, I think that if you get get a five-star kid, I think that kind of eases those concerns. And I don't think any of the kids are going to be upset with Notre Dame if Dante Moore decides he wants to go somewhere else because there's nobody that I know of that views Notre Dame as – if Dante goes somewhere else that they will say, but gee, if they would have just done this differently or that differently, I don't think they can do that. I'm also not going to, you know, bang on his dad too much because at the end of the day, it's not my kid and it's mm-hmm. not my decision. And, you know, I can, I can have feelings about it, but at the end of the day, they don't matter and it doesn't do any good to dive into that realm. So he's a dad that, that believes he's looking out for a son and, you know, it it, it is what it is, but, in regards to Drake Bowen, I, I you know, I'd be, be careful. I, I'm not, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't care to get into that. Uh, I don't think, I've never seen Drake tweet anything out. So if he told somebody something and they went and told somebody else what he said, that it is what it is. But, um, you know, it's also, I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. He's getting ready for a seven on seven trip in Las Vegas as well. So I don't, I don't, I just don't get into that soap opera stuff, Ryan. And, and we try not yeah. to be that group. And I just. You know, it is what it is. But I do thank you very much for the super chat uh, Mm -hmm. very, very much. We also had a super chat from Anthony Williams. Thank you very much, Anthony. Great work. Love the dialogue and insight. I enjoyed it too. I always, always enjoy talking ball with Ryan and Vince and Sean. It's one of my highlights of my day.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: Also have a super chat from Alan Watson. Thank you, Alan. Bears fan. Clearly at this point right now, who would you prefer? I think we need one sooner rather than later just to keep the ball rolling full steam ahead. R- Alan, I think you kind of answered your own question. Right. I mean, Ryan, to me, if we're for the topic at hand, mm-hmm. who has the greater impact on recruiting? It's the guy that signs up first. Right, exactly. (laughs) Whoever whoever commits soonest, yep, Right. 100%. As far as evaluating players, I've purposely tried to avoid that because one kid is a junior who we've seen three years of film of. The other kid is a sophomore who we've seen one year of film of. I just don't know if that's a real fair comparison between the two. What I have said is they both have five-star upsides. And, Ryan, I don't think you would disagree with me on that. Forgetting... Mm -hmm. Forget the projection. Ryan and I have had this conversation. Who has the higher ceiling? And it's right. debatable. It, it's it's definitely debatable. And that's the point is they're both have the potential to project into a, you know, elite program defining quarterback. It's hard for me to say, of course, one guy, the, the one guy's older. He's got three years of high school film compared to one, uh, but when it comes to preference, I'm going to go with it from the standpoint of who's going to have the biggest impact on the recruiting classes. And if I believe that that the timing of this thing is important, then right now I want somebody to jump on board and be the guy that wants to put. You know, look if, if CJ Carr commits tonight, it's going to be he's going to ha- start having an impact on whatever school he picks. Right? Dante Moore's not because he's he's not picking anybody right now. So right. until that happens, he's going to have a very limited impact on uh, what happens from a recruiting mm-hmm. standpoint. So, very, very good question. But I, I love it when people answer their own questions. I mean, because I mean, because what, what I'm saying is like he's thinking about the right things, mm-hmm. you know. And and I like that. Very well done, Alan. Jordan Schreiber also with a super chat. Thank you very much, Jordan. All three are amazing quarterbacks. And if their name ends up with Dante somehow, it'll just be a jumbo Christmas bonus championship can be won with any of them. That's one of the best responses three. I've seen. Yeah, like what I what I've gotten disappointed by is people say, "Well, you know, this guy you, you taking take sh- Dante Moore is a great kid, and it is what it is." And if they're able to end up with all three of them, I think which what do I prefer? That. <laughs> That's course. what I prefer. That's what I prefer. They're all great players. I just want their Dame to get great players, and they just need a big time quarterback. If it's one, great. If it's two, even better. But they they need one. Simon some more of these comments and questions from Colin Taylor. What are some things that you would like to see CJ work on before showing up at Notre Dame first freshman year? It's just, it's two, got two whole years. years. Yeah. He's got a lot right. of time for it. Right. Ryan had to say that this I'm betray something you said to me before, but we were talking about Ryan before the show. We we're talking about CJ before the show. And Ryan said to me, he's like, I got to keep reminding myself that he's a 2024 kid. He's just a sophomore. And you know, uh, you forget about that. Sometimes he has two years left, most likely uh, of, of football left. So he's got a lot of improvement, Ryan. What are the first couple things that you, that jump out to you of like, okay, this is areas he needs to get better or work on.
3: Well, I mean, I think it's a physical thing, right? Like he needs to get bigger, stronger. He's, he's about six, two and a half, six, three, somewhere in that ballpark. He's about 185 pounds right now. Right. Like he needs to fill out his frame. Because with filling out a frame and getting a stronger lower half and doing all that type of stuff, you're going to get a strong – your arm is going to improve, especially when you're a sophomore in high school, right? So I think his arm is good. I, I don't think it's – like I think the arm strength is good on, on on the college level right now. I don't think that it's like a debilitating thing. I don't think it's bad arm strength at all. But I think it can improve as he continues to fill out. So I think it's mostly physical stuff, Brian. I was really impressed especially when you brought up the fact that he's only been he you know was his first year as a starter last year on the varsity level the fact that I think that he is pretty advanced for his age for only playing a single season of high school of varsity high school football so i think that you know there's always things that you can improve from a footwork perspective from getting through your your reads quicker through being more anticipatory all those types of things but i think my main thing is let's get bigger let's get stronger and naturally the arm strength will improve in that in that instance
1: i think he's a pretty polished kid i think it's a fair assessment he's a very polished kid there's always things like the things that cj's going to have to improve on is still like the timing you know with more experience you get better with timing throwing guys open he's actually pretty advanced for that as a sophomore but if you say okay well how would he, how would i grade him if he was a senior it's not as it's not quite as good as where you want it to be but for a sophomore it's very advanced I think his footwork is pretty polished. At times, if you watch game film, you know, you know, kind of saying, "Okay, I'm gonna do this with my feet and things like that." But I think he's a pretty polished kid. So the biggest thing for me is exactly what Ryan said: is just keep getting bigger and stronger. Just let your body grow. I mean, he's got a sophomore body. I think he's what 16, right? I mean, recently just turned 16. I think. Yep. So he's a young kid. His body's still maturing and still growing. If I saw him this weekend, he's he's very got a very young face. I mean, he's you can tell he's a 16 year old kid, right? Sure. So I think that's going to be the big thing. And that's also why I love the upside. And one of the things I said to Ryan is yeah, I think he's got an incredibly high ceiling because I think the one thing that keeps him from being a five-star right now is just the arm strength. Mm-hmm. He's got good arm strength, but he doesn't have, like, cannon arm strength, right? And But that's going to get better as he gets older. But the, mm-hmm. the release is clean. It's repeatable. One thing I want to see more from him in game film. So I have seen YouTube video of him throwing off platform and doing some of those kind of things. We don't see that a ton of him doing that in the pocket in high school. Now he does that really well on the run. Like when he's on the move and doing bootlegs, he does a really nice job of throwing off platform, but I want to see things from him. Again, this is an experiential thing of being able to catch and throw quickly vertically. We we can do it on bubbles and things like that, but you know, the vertical stuff, being able to kind of to to lower, change the arm angles a little bit, things like that in the pocket. Those are things I want to see more of. I know he's working on it. We saw him doing a little bit of it at the Notre Dame camp. I've seen him doing it with you know, whoever he's, his quarterback trainer is. But it, it's one thing to do it there. I need to see it translate to Friday nights is mm-hmm. the other thing. But the one re- part of the reason that he grades out so high for me, Ryan, is because he is so polished and does show such a high football IQ for such a young player with only one year of starting experience under his belt.
3: And I think he he has great touch, too. I don't know if you Mm -hmm. noticed this, Brian, but I thought he threw a really nice deep ball. He threw one where he was rolling to his right in the pocket, and he threw a deep ball back to the left side of the field, which was weird, but he was such a beautiful toss, man. I think that he understands how to change arm speeds, but to your point, let's also get the arm angle stuff in there, too, right? Because I think that he really does throw – with nice touch to intermediate to this, uh, to the deeper parts of the field.
1: the thing I like about his touch too, Ryan, is he doesn't float it. It doesn't Mm -hmm. float. It gets up and gets down. And, and we were kind of talking about comps today for CJ. And, and I think that would be an interesting conversation to have now, since you're not going to be on the show tonight. So the two, I came up with, you know, the Notre Dame comp, the only one I could really come up with was, you know, a a more athletic version of Jimmy Clausen. you know, super accurate, super smart, great touch great ball placement all those kind of things i think he's more i think he's more and not not a bazooka for an arm jimmy didn't have a cannon for an arm i think cj's probably a little bit of a better leader than jimmy was if i'm being kind and he's certainly a better athlete than jimmy was and i'm not saying he's as good as jimmy was at the same age i'm just saying the skill set is similar the other guy that kind of popped out in my head was again a more athletic better armed version of ryan finley from nc state you had a couple comps too that i really liked too ryan if you want to share those and just kind of what you see why those were names that kind of popped in your head
3: yeah i mean the, the main one that i came to that i really did like actually I, again I, I don't know if people are going to interpret this one too much but i really liked davis mills coming into mm-hmm. stanford and i really thought that he had really nice flashes at stanford he just dealt with injuries and then the COVID-19 abbreviated season a couple years ago. So you didn't see a high sample size of him, but I thought you saw this this rookie year with the Houston Texans who are a bad football team by the way. Davis Mills looks really good. And I think that when you're talking about what the best parts of his game and the best parts of CJ is is that they're both very smooth players, not necessarily the greatest athletes, but like good movers overall, moving inside the pocket, extending a little bit outside the pocket. Davis Mills is a really accurate quarterback, not mm-hmm. the most strong arm of all time, but a very accurate kid. He's got to get kind of that long lean frame. I looked him up and he came out of uh, the state of Georgia and Davis was 6'3, 192 pounds coming out. And mm-hmm. I mean, CJ is probably going to be even bigger than that when he graduates high school, but deep went from a just body type perspective. It's something there. I think they, they have a yeah. little bit of, of something in common. So that was the main one that I really came to, and I was just kind of like, there's some Davis-Mills yeah. comparisons, I Yeah,
1: think. I, I, th- you know, when you said it, I'm like, yeah, I see it. Like, it makes a lot of sense, right? Because, you, like you said, not a bazooka for an arm, but the kid was a third-round draft pick despite playing hardly any college football, right? I mean, think about that, you know, and, and touch, accuracy, decision-making, timing, anticipation. And I would say that right, you know, with when you take the knee injury into account, Davis was not the athlete in, at Stanford that he was in high school either. So I think that that comp makes a lot of sense. I thought that was, and, and he was a five star kid. I mean, Davis Mills was a big time quarterback coming out of high school, and yeah. had he not got injured, Stanford Stanford would be a different program right now, in my opinion. I I really believe that because he got injured early when he could have still made a difference on recruiting and some other aspects of it. So I I, I thought that was a really good comparison, Ryan. I'm, I'm glad
3: you like it because I'm told you know it's an arbitrary no name comparison. I know you're kidding, Jay. It was just funny. Somebody said
1: that? Yeah. No, he was just messing. He just said he was just kidding, too. I knew he was Mm -hmm. kidding to start with because he's been in here before, but Mm -hmm. it's just funny. No haters now. Come on now. Be nice, people. (laughs) don't protect my guys
3: I'm an okay cop guy man I got Mm -hmm. I got some good cops occasionally
1: yeah every now and then we all have our moments (laughs) Shane O'Shea says how do you rank the 2024 recruiting class compared to the 2023 Uh, better the same or worse well I mean they don't have any commits in the 23 24 offensive recruiting class so right now it's definitely behind I think where I would say this and and I'm not being I'm just saying like it I can't say who I can't. They have nobody in the class, so clearly it's behind. Having said that, I do think that based on the, the premise of the show, that if Tyler Buckner comes out and has a good year and Notre Dame signs a big-time quarterback regardless of the class, I do think the 24 class has a chance to be better on offense. Now, will it have the numbers? Maybe not. They're going to take a big O-line class. They're going to take a big receiver class this year. But as far as like high-level impact, Ryan, I could see the 24 class being even better. Because they will have a full year of Marcus Freeman and the staff recruiting them, they'll have yeah. the product. They'll know what the product on the field is going to look like. Uh, so I think that there's a chance for the 24 class to be even better, but they're a long way away from that. Does getting a five-star quarterback help? Yeah, it does. But right now, the 24, 23 class has a top 250 running back, a top 150 tight end, a top 100 receiver, and three pretty good offensive linemen. So you know the. Yeah, I was gonna say two running backs, but I keep forgetting that Jabron Payne is a twenty twenty two kid. Yeah. So yeah, I'd say twenty three right now, but I think twenty four has a chance if they can close out on some guys to be better. Cause there's some there's some big time players on the board in the twenty twenty four class now. I oh, mean big time players. It. T- a tight end wide receiver, the boards mm-hmm. are great looking
3: early for 2023. Even the running back board, yeah. I think, looks like really Corey Smith, yeah, yeah. Davion
1: Gauze, Aeneas Williams. I mean, it's yeah. a very talented board. They just got to close. Like Ryan Wingo is yeah. a big time player, Emmett Mosey is oh, yeah. a highly ranked player. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some big time Cam Williams, Micah Hudson, yeah, Jack Texas. Larson's a top 50 recruit, Micah yeah. Hudson, right? So it's about closing. Right. That's going to be the key. I mean, because we could have talked about the top 50 guys on la- on the board for 23 a year ago as well. Cardinal Tate and guys like sure. that. But obviously Notre Dame hasn't been able to get any of those guys so far other than Braylon James. So I think it's got a chance. But again, that's where th- these next few months with quarterback recruiting are going to have a big say on, on, on that, in my opinion. Yep. Blaine Tiller says, I am personally higher on C.J. Carr. I think the timetable works better and overall is a better fit for the Notre Dame offense, but Dante Moore is still a heck of a quarterback. I think that's fair. I mean, we, we could, have, even if we are going to de- agree to disagree, I think it's a fair thing to say. I don't think the gap between the two is such that if you were to say, I like one guy over the other, I'm like, you're nuts. Right. You don't know what you're talking about. Because when I compare CJ to Dante, I'm I'm, I'm for me, if I compare the two, I'm comparing them as sophomores. Mm-hmm. I'm not comparing CJ to what Dante did as a junior. That's not fair. Right. Sure. It's, it's going back to look at their sophomore film. And I think that's very comparable, much more, much more debatable and comparable in that conversation. And then you also got to keep in mind that that was year two in the starting lineup for Dante. And see, C- that was year one for CJ. Mm-hmm. It's another inter- an interesting aspect of it. Ben Tarnowski would a, a comment here, Ryan. I thought this was hilarious. Yep. Ronan Hannafin may be the best, <laughs> the highest, best recruited three star ever. Did you see Man. the tweet I put out last night? No, I didn't. Yeah. I did not see the tweet. I said, uh, I'm going to pull it up because it was very petty, and I know you like petty tweets. I love petty tweets. So I said it was something along because he got offered by Georgia. He got offered by Georgia two days ago, but he tweeted it out yesterday. So I was giving a heads up that he got that offer. I don't mm-hmm. expect it to have an impact on his recruitment. I think he got in too late. But I said, looks like Notre Dame, Georgia, Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, LSU, USC, Tennessee, <laughs> Miami, and Michigan didn't get the memo that Hannafin's a three-star recruit. So, um, three star <laughs> prospect. So, and then I said, look, in all seriousness, the film and the offer list for Hannafin is that of a top hundred player, easily for me, it's, my opinion. I, I
3: mean, Brian, you you've been doing this a lot longer than I have. Have you ever seen a three star with that type of offer list? No.
1: like that is insane. Not man. one stay there. I've seen kids right. get that offer list early. Kyle Hamilton had that, and then, it, and then right? jump right, right. Like yeah. Kyle Hamilton was still a three star when he had Georgia, Ohio State, Notre Dame all came calling, but they immediately jumped him up. Right. Like with Ronan Hanovan, I think I think right now I think rivals is still the only one that has him as a as a four star kid. And, you know, we're always hammering rivals for their rankings and stuff. But right now, they're the only ones that have him as a as a as a four star. I believe maybe they've changed. They've changed it recently, maybe. But up up until a week ago, I know they came out with new rankings. They're the only ones that have him there. Yeah, uh, ESPN has him as a four star. They don't count. Okay, but like, <laughs> yeah, like on three has him. Here's the crazy thing: on three ha- and all of them have him. Not even in the top. They, like Rivals even has him number five in the state of Massachusetts. I'm, I'm no. And this is a great year in Massachusetts, but no. Mm-hmm. And and uh, on three has him as the 18th best athlete in the country, three star. And ro- two four seven has him the 61st best best athlete in the country. I would make a case that there's a better case to be made that he's the 61st best player in the country, period, than he's the 61st athlete. So some of this stuff makes, no, and even rivals who has him as a four star has him as the number 41 athlete in the country. Like, what are we doing here? Like, come on, guys, let's 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 mm-hmm. get, let's get a brain here. He's a white
3: receiver from Massachusetts, Brian. He can't be better. And I get it. Oh, I mean, I get, trust me, be. I get it.
1: You're bold enough to say it. I get it. Believe me, mm-hmm. I get it. But yep. like, they have Preston Zinter and Bubakar Traore both ahead of him. So, I mean, at least it's Notre Dame kids ahead of him. But still, sure. like, there's there's no way there's 250 better football players in the country than Ronan Hannafin. And, I, and, and look, his final three, essentially, is Notre Dame, Clemson, and Alabama. They're recruiting him hard. Nick Saban's personally recruiting Ronan Hannafin. Because he plays the that that star that safety rover role that now is the position that Nick Saban coaches. That's what they're recruiting him for. Do I need to say anything else? I mean, you know what I mean? And then Clemson and Notre Dame born him as a receiver. How many right. kids in the country can say that they were recruited by Notre Dame and Clemson and in Al- Alabama for different positions? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Right? So yeah, Ben, you're spot on. He is the best. It's kind of like the best, the best three star kid I've ever seen. You're absolutely right, <laughs> and uh, hopefully that changes. And if if it doesn't, then people just need to find a new line. Of well, work. if he if he commits to name, name, he might be a two star. They might drop him down. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Like man, he's not even the top ten in Massachusetts. Yeah, you're absolutely <laughs> right. kidding, obviously. Raid right, Dan forty two, coach. A comp I was thinking about for Joe Odding is Jeff Thane. What say you? One of my all time favorite players of that era. He was just a beast. I think from a demeanor standpoint, I could buy that comp. I think there's a lot of differences between the two, though, just from a body type standpoint. Jeff Fain was a short, sawed-off mauler. I mean, he was just an animal. Joe Otting is a longer, more more like athletic type of guy. He's more of a Jarrett Patterson type than say. he is a Joe yeah. a Jeff Fane type. Like, like, it just body type wise, style of play. I will say, but I will say this: where where I agree with him completely is. You had mentioned what the coach had said to you, Ryan, like when this guy gets on the field, he's a little crazy. He didn't say he's aggressive and tough. He said he's a little crazy, (laughs) right? Um, I think that would probably be something you might have heard from Jeff Fain's high school coach as well. There's no doubt. Uh,
3: Jeff Fain was –
1: he was one of my favorite NFL players too. He was a really good center for a while. Mm -hmm. Fain was really good. Siggy, 13, got a new name. Ryan and Brian, does the NIL handout mentality trickle down into drafting concepts for NFL teams personality-wise? Do NFL teams – do NFL teams will see a little loyalty and expect a player with will uh with uh will go free agency ASAP. Thoughts it's on that, just, Ryan? It's fascinating, Siggy,
3: which is why I started. It's really fascinating conversation. I'll say this when the COVID pandemic hit a couple years ago and players decided to opt out, there were a lot of owners who did not like that. There were some owners, I can tell you this hundred percent took guys off the board that opted out, and that was Penny Soul. You're talking about the, for the Chase. draft, like the college draft. players that opted out? Yes. Okay, Yeah, because he, he put in the next thing. He was like for guys going into the NFL. Right. So he's talking about making that transition. So, yeah, so it was Rashawn Slater that year. It was Penny Soul. It was Jamar Chase. Those were like three of the main guys. I think Jalen Twyman also from Pittsburgh was an opt-out that year. They opted out, and there are some NFL franchises that took those guys off the board. They would not have drafted them which is just asinine and, and pretty crazy to Wasn't be honest Slater on that group too, to Slater was in that group. Yeah. Yep. Slater's in that group. Yeah. So there are some, some teams that just would not have touched them. So the handout mentality, I think that teams are going to evaluate it. They are. I, th- I think that what they're going to evaluate more is the play, the players, there's some players now that are going to enter the NFL that played for like three different schools. Right. And I think that a lot of teams are going to look at that as like a, a red flag, right? Mm-hmm. And there's, it's not, it's not going to be a one size fits all thing because it's always going to be because the NFL has, I mean, they're going to do their background research, they're going to do their homework. Teams hire private investigators to find out everything about these players, right? So they're going to do their due diligence to understand why these things happen. So it's not a one size fits all. It's not like some of these kids genuinely like they go to a team, the whole coach staff gets fired something happens at home, you know, parents get sick, whatever. Like there's circumstances that happen that are like legitimate circumstances, but then there's other players that get kicked out of school, have to go, you know, what, whatever the, the circumstance might be. So that's a long form of saying that I think it's an evaluation point. I think people are definitely going to, they're definitely going to do their homework into it, but I don't think it's a one size fits all, but I, I would be lying to, if I didn't say that the NFL wasn't going to do their homework with the handout portion with the, transfer portion with the opt-out portion everything is a check for the nfl and it always has been
1: i'm okay with them evaluating it i'm okay with them looking at guys that opted out and and taking it as part of a bigger picture valuation i think something like that being something that takes you off a board is ridiculous ryan i i i've said a lot of stuff about covid when it first came out and i and and i feel strongly about the things i said back then but the one thing that everyone should have been a little bit open to is this is a new thing, right? And and I had opinions that weren't very popular back then, but everyone should have been willing to say, you know, these kids have a lot at stake, and we still don't know a lot about this thing. I mean, really, no matter what you just what, what, you don't know a lot about this. So for someone to look at a guy like you know Ray Sean Slater or uh, Penae Sewell or what was the, what was the kid's name from Pitt I, Twyman, right? Now he fell correct in the draft, correct? Yeah, he went he went sixth round. I think. Yeah. yeah, the other two kids mm-hmm. were still first, you
3: know, high picks. All of them were first round picks except for Twyman. I think, yeah, if I remember. Correctly. So
1: I mean, to me, you have you, you take everything with a with a grain of salt. It just comes down to what is the like you said, Ryan? What does the rest of the picture tell? It should only matter if like you know, Panay Sewell. He doesn't like the practice. He you know he doesn't like. Okay. Then you start to say he just opted out. That's a kid who doesn't love football. Right. But that's not what you heard about him. Right. I mean, and that's the thing is you gotta, you gotta let those, you gotta let that stuff dictate it. Like he's got people telling him he needs to opt out. We don't know a lot about this thing. I, I understand. I don't necessarily like it, but I understand right. it. If the other evidence tells you something. And I think that's how this should be is look, if a kid, if a kid's got a, you know, people say the handout mentality, I think that's an unfair characterization of nil to be completely honest with you. agree. Uh, every circumstance is different. Some kids have their handout. Some kids have a very savvy business sense of I can't I'm not guaranteed to make the NFL. So I'm gonna capitalize on my financial opportunities now. You know what? I got no disrespect for you. I have no ill will towards you i have I have ill will towards the system that's created this. I got Mm no ill will towards that as long as you do it the right way, because if I was advising young man, I would say, Hey, you need to make sure that wherever you want to go, that you're putting yourself in a situation where, you know, you're going to be put, you're going to be able to take advantage of NI opportunities. I would not necessarily be someone who wants a handout for recruiting purposes, but go somewhere where, you know, like, you know, Notre Dame's not going to give you a handout, for example, but if you're the starting quarterback in Notre Dame, you're going to, you're going to be okay financially in case if you never pan out, you know, NFL wise or something like that. So you I think those conversations have to be had for big time players. And if a kid does have his hand out, do your due diligence to find out why. Is the family going through a situation like, you know what, my family's in debt because we had this thing happen and this other thing happened. My parents are about to have their house clo- foreclosed on and me getting this payout from ex-school is going to help me save my family home. You don't think that's a possibility? I'm not going to fault the kid for that. As long as he loves playing football and he's got the other intangibles, it is what it is. Uh, So I think it's with anything. You need to know the whole story of why a kid is. Now, if some kids are just a-hole, greedy a-holes who don't care about everybody else, that's fine. A kid like Quinn Ewers, who was not hurting for money, that bails on his high school team as seniors because he couldn't get NIL, so he goes to Ohio State. He's willing to sit on the bench at Ohio State to get a million dollars. That's a big red flag for me. Big and red flag talk about for me, it. and they'll and the NFL will talk about that right.
3: when Quinn Ewers is coming down the.
1: Floor. And he'll, he'll have to spend it. the next couple of years doing things to overcome that reputation. And as long as he does that, then it won't end up hurting him. But if he, if more red flags start being raised along similar lines, then that's going to hurt him. So mm-hmm. every circumstance is different. But I think that's a great question. Like I I like the question, Ryan. Uh, I just it, it's it's very. It, but at the end of the day, you you and I we don't know because this is new. Right. We don't really know how it's going to be handled, but I just think that's kind of how I come down on it. Yeah, Speculation. But right. yeah, I just think it, I think it's just going to be a talking point. How much it impacts is is very speculative. Mm-hmm. Brian and this is Rob fit off. Brian and Ryan, if all three of these events happen, is it bigger than Al Bundy scoring four touchdowns in the game? <laughs> this is remind people that I scored five in the game. So F Al Bundy. OK, because I scored five touchdowns in the game. Did You score five. I that's did. Nice. Yeah. Four receiving and a pick six. So I oh. should have had six. I got screwed on a backline call. I tipped the ball up and caught it as I was going down. I like, both feet in. They called me out of bounds on the road. We were on the road. Uh, I'm joking aside. I did score five touchdowns. I'm just joking. It'd be huge. I mean, that's why I said. It'd be a tsunami of momentum for Notre Dame if they were able to have all three of those things happen with Buckner having a big year, them getting CJ Carr and then getting Dante Moore. I mean, it would be huge. I think two of those three things happening. Is huge. Right. But if all three happen, man, goodness gracious, Notre Dame would become a a recruiting juggernaut, in my opinion. I, I'm I'm dead, I'm not being hyperbolic. I I'm dead serious about that. I think if two of those three, I think Notre Dame's gonna be a major force. If all three of those things happen, Ryan, I mean watch out. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> there's no doubt. Quick question from Carl Bremer. Does Drew Pine have three or four more years left? So Drew Pine technically has four years of eligibility remaining, because he got the extra year as a true freshman. Twenty, his twenty twenty season did not count. Mm-hmm. He only played four games last year, and that's partly why Notre Dame didn't put him in more games. Is because one, you know, they when Jack Cone wasn't injured. So if 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 Jack Cone doesn't start after, let's say that Notre, let's say Jack Cohn comes in the game at the end of Virginia Tech, they're down eight, and he throws a pick. And they lose the game. I truly believe Tyler Buckner starts the next week. Truly believe that, and I've heard enough from people to believe that they were because if because if they lost the game, it's like season's over, and you know we got two losses now and back to back losses, and it's it's time to prepare for the future. Right. But he did come back and rally the team, and so you know, and the rest is history. But they would have started Buckner, not Pine, and and that's why they felt comfortable redshirting him. So technically, Drew Pine has more years of eligibility left than Tyler Buckner. It's four years of eligibility left. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. Because, again, you have to look at his 2020 season as not being a real thing. It just didn't – it doesn't exist. So this was his freshman year. He redshirted. So next year he'll so be technically – Eligibility-wise a redshirt freshman. So he's two years older than Buckner, but he has a year more of eligibility. One year. One year in the, in class. He was a 2020 recruit, uh, and Buckner was a 2021
3: Right. Recruit. Got it, got it. Sorry.
1: So – Technically, wild. he only has—he's two years older than Steve Angeli, but will only have one more year of eligibility if Angeli enough. Angeli plays this year. <laughs> they have, the <laughs> have the same level yeah. of eligibility, meaning plays beyond four years. It's wild, uh, which I think is absolutely nuts. I, Brian, I just saw a—I sorry, this is a quick tangent.
3: I'll, I'll make this one quick. There is a tight end on the FCS level that is a Richard sophomore this year, but he's in mm-hmm. his fifth year of college because of- he had a. He had a gray shirt,
1: a red shirt, and the COVID year. <laughs> that's insane. That's absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. That's that's wow. Wow. Let's get to some more questions. TB12 for Heisman. I think we know the an- we know his answer, this person's answer for uh our original show question. Is it crazy to think that 2024 might end up being higher ranked than the 2023 class? We've kind of talk about this offensively, Brian, but why don't you address this from a big picture? If you say it's possible, explain why you think that's the case.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think right now, Notre Dame's just in a really good spot at a few different guys. And there's some really impressive players on the board. I mean, if you're talking about guys like Peyton Woodyard at safety, if you're talking about guys like Caleb Beasley, a cornerback, if you're talking about the Nigel Smiths, Elijah, Elijah rushings of the world, I mean, there is a lot of good players on the board and the, The thing that makes it tough, though, is that you're forecasting out. I mean, these kids' rankings are going to change all over the place, right? Like, Mm -hmm. we don't have an exact number on it. But I think it's also the simple fact that you're going to now be in year two under Marcus Freeman. And, I mean, I'm an optimist, so I'm going to assume that year one went really well. And you had closed out in 2023, Mm -hmm. and you had a good season. And the impact continues, right? So I think it's very possible. 2023 had a lot of things going for it right, for Notre Dame, because there's a lot of great players up in the North this year. We've talked about it, but I think 2024 early, just some, some dudes in the North again, it, it appears. So I think they have a chance. It's, it's early to tell, but I don't see any reason why it can't be better than 2023. I think it's possible.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think all those things factor into it. And I also, you look at the board, they're in on some big-time players. And if they have success on the field, it's going to increase their odds to land those guys. I think if Marcus Freeman proves quickly he's a legitimate head coach Mm -hmm. as an on-field product which again I don't care how big of a Marcus Freeman fan you are and we are until he actually shows it it's just projection once that projection becomes reality if that happens Ryan Mm -hmm. I mean that's another factor in this whole thing Uh, so yes I think as you look at that the potential of the offense of all those things kind of start rolling then yes I think 2024 2024 would be the bigger beneficiary of the on-field wave if it happens this year. That's what I think. Because Correct. so much of this class is already going to be put together before they play a game, right? And so that's why I say is you, 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 even if, let's just say, like four offensive kids commit this summer because CJ Carr commits in the 2024 class, just hypothetically if that happens, if CJ commits in the fall, there's still six kids in the class, seven kids in the class. They're not even close to their full number. This All class right. by the end of the summer is going to be close to 20, if not at 20. So a great wave in recruiting is gonna ha- is gonna be more in twenty four and twenty five from on field success than twenty four, which would be why I would say it has a chance. And you're not crazy for thinking twenty four could be better because you got to look at the board, right, Ryan? I mean, mm-hmm. you could have you could have all the success, but if your board right now doesn't have a bunch of big time players on it, then you're. But you look at their board. I mean, D line, you've got Elijah Rushing, you've got Nigel mm-hmm. Smith on top of the two kids you already have. Jordan, got Justin Jordan, Scott. Uh,
3: Jordan too. I mean, Justin Scott. Yeah.
1: Justin Scott. Scott. You know, you got Caleb Beasley was just on Not Caleb Beasley. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Caleb Beasley, Caleb I, him, Beasley. And, hmm? him and Caleb Presley, I get kind of, yeah. you know, uh, can backed up, but you, Caleb Beasley was just on campus, right? He's a top hundred player, top 50 player. In my opinion, there's mm-hmm. some big time offensive guys. We talked about the 2024 running back board. Uh, there's some really impressive corners on the, on the list. You know, we have a story up in Irish breakdown now about Jalen Mbakwe, who's building a really strong relationship with Mike Mickens. Well, he's the number one cornerback in the country in the 2024 class. The safety class is loaded. So they have thrown some offers out. uh, Darius Harris, who I think will end up being a five-star, what's all said and done, is a guy that's been on Notre Dame's campus already and it plans to come back this fall. So Mm -hmm. there's some big-time players there that are going to have a lot more evidence of what a Marcus Freeman coach football team looks like than the 23 class will have. Uh, is 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 kind of where I'm coming from. So re- really good great questions today, everybody. Got a super chat from John A1. I was getting a little bit worried about you, man, because we haven't seen any questions from you this week. So I was like, is John A1 okay? So if you didn't ask questions tomorrow, I was you're gonna get a you're gonna get an email from me. So I'm glad that you're doing well and thank you for the super chat. John says from high school to college, is it more important for a quarterback to choose the right school coach development, or does natural talent of a player determined success, I uh, believe a thousand percent in the former, and I think Notre Dame is perfect evidence of that. The last decade, I don't care how talented you are as a quarterback, it you will be hindered if you don't go to a place that allows you to develop as a player that doesn't know how to develop. Usual player, and I think that's a perfect example when you look at the fact that between Everett Golson, Malik Zaire, Deshaun Kaiser. Uh, Brandon Wimbush, Phil Dracovic, all those guys were not able to maximize their potential. You can't tell me they were all overrated, or they 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 all lacked talent, or whatever the case may be. You have to be able to look at it and say, boy, that's a development problem, right? And then you look at other schools where it's like it doesn't matter who plays quarterback there; they just they just have success. They know how to develop quarterbacks. So I think that, you know, I think Alabama's proven that in recent years. Yeah, they've landed talented kids, but they've developed those kids in a way that. You know, maybe other schools have not been able to develop talented quarterbacks. So I think that's a big part of it, uh, uh, absolutely. A, a, to me now, talent matters. But if we're talking about quarterback, I don't think the physical talent matters as much as it does at other positions. I think it's the fe- the technical and the mental part can allow a mediocre physical talent. Let, let's be real. Does anyone want to sit here and argue with me that Mac Jones has elite physical tools? He doesn't. But because the, this part is so good, it allows the other parts to be there. I would make a case of Tom Brady is not in the same universe as like a John Elway in physical talent or even a Josh Allen in physical talent. Mm-hmm. He is, you know, a seven, what, seven time Super Bowl champ mm-hmm. and a great player because of the other aspects of it that don't matter as much at other positions, because at other positions that doesn't. Completely overcome that you don't have great tools. I think that's right. still the one position in football where, even offensive line veteranness and set, but you still have to have some ability, right? I mean, if you if you if you can't get out of your stance, I don't care how smart you are, you're not allowed to get an early head start. This isn't, you know what I mean? Uh, so I think that's the one position where not having elite physical tools can be much more easily overcome by the other part, the development, the coaching, the technique, the the, be able to process information and all that. And we've seen with other kids, Ryan, it doesn't matter. All the physical tools in the world, if that other stuff isn't developed, you're not going to be a very good quarterback. Right, right. And
3: I also think it's also, you know, getting into a quarterback, and this from an NFL draft perspective for a second, I know we're talking about um, high school to college, but situation dictates success so much Mm -hmm. even on the NFL level. So I agree completely on college. Like you need good developers but you also need a sound system and you need to make players comfortable. How do you make guys play fast by being comfortable? Right. And that's how that's not just running fast. That's also processing fast, the mental side of the game. When you are able, when the game slows down, that's when everything begins to kind of take a step forward in in the game. So I agree completely, whether it is a college NFL, whatever it is situation often dictates success, but there's always going to be some players that are so good that they are the they're the difference in that rule but that makes them an exception not the rule right so i think for the most part you're talking about situation dictating success in a lot of ways
1: mm-hmm. potatoes o'brien I love that name he makes a prediction buckner throws for 3400 yards 32 touchdowns and six interceptions this year market now I'm okay. here for it. I'm here for uh, it. Let's let's take this. Let's take this and say he's correct. What what is Notre Dame, What happens at the end of the season? What is Notre Dame's record and what is their postseason success if Tyler Buckner throws for 3,400 yards, 32 touchdowns, and six interceptions? I
3: mean, they're probably an undefeated team, right? I mean, maybe 11 and one. <laughs> at worst, 11 and, I mean, and one. Yeah, right? at worst, 11 and one. I mean, <laughs> what are we going to say about that, man? Because I mean. If, you're, if he's throwing with 3,400 yards and 32 touchdowns, I'm going to assume that the running game is also in decent hands, too, because right. now nobody, nobody can crowd the box. The numbers is always going to be in your favor. So, I mean, hey, again, I hope you're right. <laughs> I hope you are. That, yeah. That's like – that's some uh, – we haven't had numbers since that, since uh, Brady Quinn, right? Really? I mean – Yeah.
1: I mean, with the 3,000-plus.
2: 30, 30, yeah.
1: Well, Ian Book came like close to that in 2019. Whatever. Right. He came close to that in, in touchdowns. He was about 400 short of that in yards. The problem that I have with looking at that season, he had 3,034 yards, so 400 short, 34 touchdowns and six picks. The problem I have with that, however, mm-hmm. is that Ian Book threw for 360 yards and five touchdowns against New Mexico. <laughs> he threw for five touchdowns against Bowling Green. He threw for five touchdowns against Navy. He threw for four touchdowns against a crap Duke team and four touchdowns against a four and eight Stanford team. Like he padded his stats in like five games against teams that were bad. If you look at his numbers that year against power five teams, it was really bad, really bad. So, you know, numbers can be misleading. And that's that's the caveat I'll say about these numbers from Tyler Buckner. I mean, if he throws for 475 yards against you know, UNLV and then 510 against Syracuse, but a buck 75 against Ohio state and two picks, then they won't be as good. But I mean, I'm just kind of working with the assumption of he's really good. They'll worse will be 11 and one and they will be a playoff team. And I would put that Notre Dame team up against anybody. If they have a mm-hmm. dynamic quarterback, I will put this Notre Dame team up against anybody. It's got to prove it. Right. So I'm not there yet, but I will, if, if that happens and you're correct, potatoes, oh, great name then yes I will I will Notre Dame will be difficult to beat Jojo Pineda with a super chat thank you very very much for that Jojo we appreciate you also had a super chat from potatoes he also said off topic here but what type of offense should we expect from Tommy now that BK is gone
3: um what we I saw in the end of last year right yeah no, I was I about mean, to say I think you saw it against Oklahoma State like I think it's there's a better Canadian. run game yeah well you need a better run game there's no doubt but i think the inflection of a little bit more rpo action right like i think that you're going to get a lot more of that quick passing game i think is going to open up a little bit get the ball out of your hands a little bit um so i think you already got a little crash
1: course into Mm -hmm. it against oklahoma state
3: i think it's you're going to see a
1: lot of those similar concepts and i think we saw a lot of that stuff towards the end of the year as we've as we've reported here that that brian kelly kind of checked out a little bit and tommy reese was really allowed to take control of the offense second half of the year and we saw a very efficient, I mean, Jack Cohn, if you go look at the last six games of the year, Jack Cohn completed over 70% of his passes in the last six games. Right. Now it wasn't just like one good game or, you know, didn't do much and then played great against Oklahoma State. I mean, the offense was shredding people kind of throughout the final aspects of that season. And, and I think a lot of that was the changes we saw, quick passing game, using using motions, formations, the shifts, to, and, and and routes to clear out guys and create isolations, which is very much a modern NFL aspect you know where they'll use three guys as decoys to open one guy up kind of thing uh you know uh, that you'll see a lot more of that kind of stuff as well so very very good question Christopher Morgan with a super chat. Thank you, Christopher. Hello, IB Nation. If, in both of your opinions, if tonight we get jo, uh, Jace, uh, good, CJ Carr and then Dante decides to commit, can you see Tyler Buckner being like, bring it and just go off and go nuts, proving to all of us what we thought of him? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think if, if Tyler is the kind of kid that we think he is, he's a competitor. And he's going to see these kids coming in like, okay, all right. People are because, I mean, that's what we talked about. We had that show yesterday, Ryan. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to it, Mm -hmm. but we were talking about, you know, just the the disrespected players on the Notre Dame football team. Yep. Right. And 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 just like why like there's like there's already people kind of like looking at at Tyler Buckner like, well, if they get Dante more then that means that, you know, they're going to they're not going to, you know, Dante's going to show up, and then all of a sudden we don't need Tyler Buckner anymore, and he's going to get you know he's going to get this or that, and it's just kind of like man, like kids a freshman in college hasn't even got to a sophomore year yet, and the other kid hasn't even played a senior year of high school, and you're already assuming this dude's going to beat him out, right? Like the disrespect there, uh, you know that's been going on for a while. If Tyler Buckner's the player we think he is, I think he's going to feed off of that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to look at that stuff and be like, you know what, like bring it, doubt me, disrespect me. I got no Drew Pines that way, you know. Now we need to see if Tyler Buckner's that way, and and if he is, then I think this this situation has a chance to get to get really fun and really impressive for Notre Dame moving forward, right?
3: And and if he and if he doesn't take the challenge,
1: then he's not the guy that's going to lead us to a right. championship. Like that's
3: just, right. I mean, that's and it comes somebody, down will to. Exactly. Exactly. somebody will beat him out. Exactly,
1: somebody
2: will beat him out.
3: that's like a thing that we don't talk about enough too. Is that like you have to have that kind of innate. Thing with you when you're a quarterback, right? Like your back's against the wall a little bit, like you just are a competitive dude, like you need mm-hmm. that. So, I think that's the ultimate competitor, right? There is taking the, the uh the misconceptions, if you want to call them that, or the you know the, the negativity and mm-hmm. turning it into positives.
1: Absolutely, got a super chat from Jim D. Mateus. Certainly, coaching facilities and other athletic resources are important. How well does the class ranking correlate with outcomes? This goes all back to the whole recruiting is an indicator of success thing. You know what I've always noticed from those conversations, Ryan, is nobody ever uses the negatives of that. They never point to the USC's and the Florida State's and the Tennessee's when they're recruiting highly ranked classes but then stink. They only ever point to Alabama and, you know, Georgia and Ohio State. There's always a – there's all and they – And they never bring up the fact that Clemson won two national titles has been in what six playoff appearances and their their only two top five classes came uh, in the last two years leading up to their worst season in a decade. Right. Like Clemson did not have one composite from 2012, I believe, until 2019, the stretch that built the two title teams. Clemson did not have a single top five composite ranking. I'm I'm pretty sure that's accurate. And if they did, it would be like one. But I don't believe they did. I think their first top five class was in 2020. And nobody talks about that, right? And they had several classes that didn't even rank in the top 10 that were key to building the two title teams. So to me, I don't think recruiting class ranking correlates with outcome. What correlates with outcome is recruiting extremely well. Sometimes that's indicated by your ranking. If you're a Bama Ohio State, because I think those teams get bumps, their players get bumps in recruiting rankings. I've pointed this out several times. I pointed out guys last year, Ryan, that were not even in the top hundred. That right after they committed to Bama, shot way up the rankings. Okay, so you're you know, was it the kid's recruiting ranking that determined his success, or was his re- was his success determined by the fact that Alabama then went and got him? Would they have jumped him up if he would have committed to Kentucky instead? I don't think they would have. We have no evidence of that. So, you know, I feel, I feel as if sometimes we overrate that. I think that the recruiting rankings, that the bumps happen because those teams have established that team knows how to identify players. And so you give them a certain benefit of the doubt because kids have certain offer lists. So I think at the end of the day, recruiting rankings don't matter. Talent matters. Sometimes that's in the form of a five star, sometimes in the form of a three star, and sometimes it's in the form of a zero star Cooper Cup. Right. Yeah. And so uh, it just, it's about talent. Right. Cooper Cup isn't a four, nine, with no athletic ability that the great coach turned into a great player. It was always there, it just developed later. Then Josh, Josh Allen was zero star as well. Right. Um, so, mm-hmm. so the talent was always there. Just, it comes in later. So the thing that I think we can, we should all be able to agree on wherever you come in the star ranking debate is talents. It's, it's the talent that matters along with you need the coaching, and those other kind of things, but yes, it's the talent that matters. And sometimes that was reflected in a recruiting ranking. And sometimes that is reflected in the other aspects. Now, while well, I'll say this is if, is if coaches were doing the rankings, right, then I would put a lot more stock in because I think they would look different. That that's what I would say. I think rankings would look different if if like college coaches were the ones kind of recruit, you know, saying, "Hey, this is kind of how we view it." It would look a lot different. But it, the talents that matter, it's the talent that matters. Because again, for every Bama, I can give you a team that's consistently in the top ten that never sniffs the top ten on the football field. And you can't have one. You can't you can't accept one and not dis, and dismiss the other. You need to be able to look at both and say why, because the coaching wasn't there. The other thing, and some of these these things there's a flawed ranking system sometimes kids were overrated all that other kind of stuff Mm -hmm. all right this is a great question call me ty is this conversation strictly about recruiting okay to answer that part yes that was the purpose of this conversation right we wanted to see who would have the biggest impact on recruiting but we'll also accept your second question what if we switch this conversation to winning a championship who is the most important
3: I, I would say Tyler Buckner. Because he's the guy on the roster. Because yeah. he's the guy on the roster. We know he's the starting quarterback, moving forward, most likely, more yeah. than likely. And I think that Notre Dame, whether it is in 2022 or 2023, I think they're going to have a really good roster, and I think right. he has a chance to be special. So my, my answer would be Tyler Buckner.
1: I think the other part that I would say is is, is agree with that, but my other my other add-on that I want to make is, Ryan – I think when you talk about winning a championship, there's no ranking for me. It's can he or can't he? And my answer for all three is yes. No question. Sure. All three kids, if the other ingredients are there, because no quarterback wins a title on his own. None. John Elway proved that. You can get him there, but you can't win it on your own. You look at the 2019 title game, Joe Burrow versus Trevor Lawrence. Those are two pretty phenomenal quarterbacks. One guy's team way outclassed the other guy's team, and one quarterback played way better. Why? Because one quarterback's supporting cast was way better than the other guy supporting cast. Yep. So that that assuming that part is there, I have I believe Tyler Buckner, Dante Moore, and CJ Carr are all championship caliber quarterbacks at a place like Notre Dame. There's no doubt in my mind. So if Notre Dame gets CJ Carr and they don't have and they don't get Dante Moore, then I'm like, okay, Notre Dame has two guys on their roster that I think can win championship. Right, And then they go try to find one in 2025, which, of course, my guy Brandon has to go there. Ha- can't let me just enjoy it for like a day. My guy, and he's kidding here. Brandon Plester says, okay, now let's talk about when Notre Dame lands Bryce Underwood in 2025. Come Kid on, looks special. man. Can't look special. He's a stud. That's all I'll say. Yeah. He's a stud. There's no doubt about it. Oh, i love it coach bent ideally who do you see as the drake bone or blake fisher of the 2024 class highly rated and fairly local non-qb that can pop on visits repeatedly i want to go back to that i think that that's a big reason also why dante moore and cj Carr are both very important players for notre dame because mm-hmm. not only are they five-star quarterbacks but they're five-star quarterbacks from being on campus all the time they're both two and a half hours away from campus right so like don't be shocked if CJ Carr makes a decision this weekend that he's not on the campus of the school he commits to that's having big recruiting weekend this week coming up. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. that's another piece of it. But if you take non quarterback away, I mean, to me, I think I mean, the, the only guy that I can point to is Brandon Davis Swain because he's the only local kid in the class. That's fair. Like, and he's a top 100 recruit that's from a couple hours away too. So, and from what I've been told. I think Sean told me this. I can't I don't know if he told me this or you told me this. But J- Brandon Davis Swain's been talking to a lot of 2024 kids. Like he's been a very active recruiter so far. The key to being that guy like you said coach is it's got to be a local guy. And the nice thing about the 2024 class Ryan and we kind of talked about this this weekend, there's a lot of local kids, like really good local kids in 2024. I could see a scenario where there's multiples. Like let's say they get CJ Carr Let's they got Brandon Davis, Swain, Cam Williams, Maybe. Bronte Johnson, yeah. you know, Mylan Graham, Justin Scott. I mean, there's a lot of really, really good football players that are really like within a two and a half hour drive from South Bend that the staff has offered. Mm-hmm. So there could be a chance that it's not just one, that there's like three or four. Yeah. And that would be huge. Absolutely huge.
3: Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think you nailed it, though. I think Brandon Davis Swain is the easiest one, yeah. right? Because, I mean, one, he's in the class, which is easier mm-hmm. to see. One, he's a local kid, and he's in the class very early. <laughs> so right. that, that'll be very impactful right. in that regard as well. So, yeah, I mean, I was thinking, like, guys, but then, you know, the local thing kind of throws you off because I was even thinking, like, you know, if Notre Dame lands a Peyton Woodyard out of St. John Bosco, like I think that's right. a kid that would probably be a big recruiter, right. but obviously he's not a
2: local kid. So Yeah,
1: because I, I think what the question here refers to is someone who's going to be on campus all the time for like every right. big home game, every big recruiting weekend, that kind of thing is where I think that kind of come from. That's that ringleader aspect of it from that regard. But I think it's so important. That's what, that's what makes the two five-star quarterbacks we've talked about in this show since they are both local so important because – it's great that Drake is that way, and it's great that Blake was that way. But if you can have that guy be a five-star, highly ranked guy, but also a quarterback, mm-hmm. it adds to it. I mean, it just does. I mean, look, quarterback is just a different breed. You know, it, it's why we call a, a quarterback a pipe piper, not a left tackle or a receiver or a defensive lineman. You know, that's why a quarterback is going to have a bigger impact on who signs than a Keon Keeley Overall, even though Keon Keely may be, end up being the best player in the class, no matter who they get it's just a different animal. So, but if you can do both, that's where things really get, really get fun. Absolutely. Get fun. Let's get to some more questions. As we wrap this up, T asked the information I covet the most is how Tyler Buckner is progressing. He's the key to next two, three years in the field. If he has a breakout star this year, offensive recruiting will become lights out. I agree. Don't, don't disagree. Can't disagree with that at all. Absolutely not. Salty Virginia peanuts. How is CJ a four star and three services and a composite five star? This is a question that we got on the message board today. It's a great question. So it's a very great question. The, the, and it's basically is, is like this the composite ranking, that's the one that 247 does. On three does a consensus. The difference is on three takes all the services and gives them equal weight, which I don't necessarily like because I don't think ESPN deserves equal weight for anything. But if you take that and then you look at the composite, which is the two, four, seven version, a composite is taking all the grades together, but then two, four, sevens gets a weighted grade. But what you'll find is kids who are consistently high, a lot of times like ranked, like in a similar area for all the services will end up having a higher composite than any individual place ranks them. Cause what happens is, is you may have a kid who's ranked lower than another player, like by five or six spots by two of the services But the third service ranks that one kid who's ranked higher like 80 spots lower. That one that ranks him lower is going to drag that kid's grade down where then a guy who maybe ranks below him on many of the other services is below him. So you see, because we've talked about this a lot in our shows, Ryan, is the wide variation with some kids. Like how is Cooper Flanagan a top 100 kid on one at the time he was? Now he's like 110, but then not even be top 250 on the other. Well, that's going to drag his grade down. Whereas another kid may rank 150 on all three, and he's gonna be end up ranking higher than 150. That's just kind of how it works. And and that's why some people like the composite though, because it it kind of takes into account like you get rewarded for just being a consistently ranked guy as opposed to one place loves you and the other doesn't. That's sure. Fair. You know, so um uh yeah, that that's that's how that's how that works. But I think when it's all said and done, he should be a five I think he'll end up being a five star with all of them. All right, Christopher Morgan asked state with a super chat. Thank you, Christopher. Stadiums a play. This is from yesterday. Bank of America Panther Stadium, Notre Dame versus Ole Miss or Tennessee, Texas A&M, LSU, Georgia, Kentucky, to get our foot in recruiting in SEC thought. So this is kind of off of the the show we did yesterday, Ryan, mm-hmm. of the Notre Dame ideal Notre Dame schedule. You know, I I have no problem with. I mean, look, I think that makes a lot of sense because you're getting into the Carolinas, which is an important area for Notre Dame. You're playing an SEC team. Not at their place or your place, so I don't think a game like that hurts. My whole thing is if you're going to play Tennessee, I'd rather just play them either at your place or in Tennessee just because I'd like to get in there. But for the most part, yeah. I think a- LSU would, would be an impactful game there, George would be an imp- impactful game there. I don't think playing Kentucky and North Carolina does anything for you. Like, yeah. I just playing in North Carolina is helpful, but. The opponent would not add anything to it. Ole Miss wouldn't add anything to it. Notre Dame doesn't recruit against Ole Miss. Tennessee, Texas A&M, LSU, and Georgia would be more impactful in that scenario. Ryan, agree or disagree?
3: Yeah, no. I, I, I mean, we've talked about
1: this a lot. I, I, I mentioned
3: Tennessee is the one team that I would love to have a home and home with, right? Like, I, if I was Notre Dame, I, yeah, getting into Tennessee is paramount. Getting into the Mississippi at times is, is would be nice. LSU, we were talking about. There's a question about Jay Nosberry that was thrown into the chat, you know, getting into Louisiana and stealing some kids out of there from a recruiting perspective. Georgia as well. I But I agree, you know, we have a Michael Mayer that's from Kentucky, but otherwise Notre Dame doesn't touch Kentucky very often, right? Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really do much for right. me either.
1: Right. And if they do recruit in the state of Kentucky, the University of Kentucky is not a factor. Like they weren't like when they got Michael Mayer they were like, gee, I hope we can be Kentucky for him. You know, it just <laughs> – and that, that's with Mark Stoops doing a great job. I mean, I love the job he's doing. He is doing a good job. Yeah. yeah. It just, it's just, it's Kentucky, you know, basketball, different deal. But for football, it's just the way that it is. Hey, Ben Tarnowski, I, I see your question about pay for play. That's a great question. You, could you bring that up tomorrow? I think that's going to fit better in more of an open deal because we're getting a little, we're getting a little long here. And that's a great question. And I want to be able to spend some time on that. So if you could please bring that question tomorrow, Ben, I would really, really appreciate it because that's a great question. I just, I think it's going to add way more onto the show that I don't want to add on now that we're already close to two hours, right? So this show has kind of gone by fast because so many great questions. Nothing personal says, I personally think Buckner would have been a five-star if he'd played his senior year. Would be a heck of a QB room if we got both more in car. I think that's I, – I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, because no. – I mean, the stats that he put up as a yeah. as a junior were nuts. If he had if he had a similar season, he had he would have to have been a five star right. right at that point. I, I mean, he was already a top fifty kid. At least one service had him as a five. I think it was a, he was a five star on the composite. Yeah, before going into senior year, and then he had the bad camp, you know, which everybody freaked out because he was tinkering with his throwing motion. But if he goes out as a senior against better competition and throws for like thirty five hundred plus yards, runs for a thousand yards again. I think there's no there's no way that he's not a consensus top 50 kid, but most likely a five-star. There's mm-hmm. no Because then he would have gone on to an all-star game and you know done all that stuff, because I think they canceled the all-star games that year too. I don't think they had all-star games that year either, did they? No, they did. Because Blake Fisher, no, did they? I can't I remember if they did or didn't. But all those things kind of factored into it, and I, I agree with you. I, I think he would have been ranked much higher. So I love this question. You know that, Ryan. Uh, Bill Fartzer asks, do you think we are a leader for Jaden Allsbury? Wait, who asked this? You heard who asked it. Don't be a child. <laughs> <laughs> you and Vince, man. I tell you, I'm like a, I'm like a kindergartner teacher, man. Well, somebody, somebody in the chat was worried
3: that Bill wasn't here today. So okay, to sure
1: Bill is, is with us. He has made his presence felt. That's good. All right. Uh,
3: Bill, Bill, I think – this is one that has surprised us surprised us excuse me the most over the last couple months is the fact that I think Notre Dame is in a much better place with Jade Nosberry than I ever anticipated them being I'll I'll say this and I'll say this and I will not take this back ever I I never really do but (laughs) that's what I love about I I would be more shocked if Jade Nosberry ended up at LSU than if he ended up at Notre Dame like pretty substantially. I don't think he's going to end up at LSU. I don't. So I don't think LSU is really – I don't think they have a big play in this one, to be honest with you. So I don't know if I'm ready to say leader. I'm ready to say he, they're one of the leaders, and I mm-hmm. think that they are a bigger leader over LSU. So take that as you will.
1: Yeah. I think they're in a good place there. Look, closing is going to be key. But I think – I. you know, he is the epitome of what Marcus Freeman said when he got hired, Ryan which is what, our, what we have to do is we have to find the kids that are, that, that don't, that are Notre Dame fits but don't know it yet and, and convince them that, and, and show them that they are. And to me, this is one of those kids where previously I don't think Notre Dame has a chance in heck of being a player for Nott. Because I just don't think they would have gotten a fight. I think they'd have looked at Baton Rouge. You know, his school's literally connected to LSU – his dad works at LSU. There's no way. There's no way I, that, that that they that they would have got him. They wouldn't have been in the game for him, in my opinion. He's the kid that is that is. There's he's the kid that I've said all along. There's a lot more kids out there like him than people realize. And you're seeing in this class. I'm, I'm pretty sure Keon Keely's a over a 3.0 student. Braylon James is over a 4.0 student. Dante Moore's a 4.0 student. CJ Carr's got a very high GPA. Jaden Osbury's got a high GPA. There's a lot more big-time football players that take academics very seriously than people realize. The difference is they also want to go somewhere that's going to give them a chance for for football excellence. And that's why Notre Dame hasn't been getting kids. But that's why they're getting them now because now they're starting to battle for those guys. They're going to battle for Jalen Osbury. And Marcus Freeman's going to make Jaden Osbury realize, dude, you are... You are the epitome of a Notre Dame kid. Like not only, yeah, we think you can thrive here. You are exactly what a Notre Dame kid is an elite football player. That's an elite you know, student that understands the, how, how valuable something like Notre Dame uh, can give to you on and off the field. And that's why I think Notre Dame is in a much, much better place than people realize. So yes, I, um, uh, I think they I think they have a shot there to 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 get that one done. There's no doubt. Ryan, there was a super chat earlier that I think that we missed. So okay. let me just go because I saw the um I think I saw the euros sign when it popped up. And that's usually our guy Alberto uh, okay. because obviously it's not dollars, but let me let me see if I can find that before we get out of here because I do want to get to that. I want to make sure we didn't miss any super chats. We got Jim's, we got potatoes, O'Briens. So we got all those so far. Let me see here real quick. We're going to have, there's some comments in the chat from, here we go. Uh, There's some comments in the chat from people about the work Notre Dame is doing in the state of Michigan. We'll we'll have, we'll have a further conversation on that later. mm -hmm. We're We're purposely avoiding that one. We'll have that conversation later. Here it is from Alberto. Keep up the great work. Thank you for the super chat, by the way, our our friend from Spain, our brother from Spain. Keep up the great work. I appreciate the integrity with which you all approach things. The site is is a not-so-hidden-anymore gem among Notre Dame fans. Thanks. Well, I appreciate that, and I hope that we become unhidden to even more fans over the next couple of years because we're trying to really grow and become the preeminent place for Notre Dame news and information and all things, Notre Dame discussions, all of it. So we're, we appreciate you appreciate you very 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 much. And I think we got all the super chats now. I, I want to make sure we got all those. Great conversation today everybody. Great questions. Uh, enjoy the feedback. We didn't bring a, all of it up. Uh, enjoy the feedback from There's a lot of good comments as we were discussing the original topic. A lot of good a lot of good thoughts and feedback. So more of the story is Ryan Go land big-time quarterbacks, and you will have good recruiting classes. Sounds (laughs) good to me. I think that whoever the name is, uh, that is definitely a a, a big part of it. So Matt D says, make sure that you hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell so you never miss when Irish Breakdown goes live. May say, K. join the message board, hit the like button, subscribe, hit and the notification bell, share the podcast, and leave a five-star review. Visit the Irish Breakdown store. If you haven't signed up for the message board, as I said earlier, make sure that you do so if you want to buy merch like this right here. Ryan, I think, has got the same polo on. I got to get you some different colors, man, because we we can't do this whole matchy thing. Uh, we got the. It's all I, I look good in gray. What can yeah, I say? it's all good, man. And he's got the he's got his flag behind him. I got my flag behind him. That green IB Nation shirt I had on yesterday we have in the IB store. The green IB hat that Sean rocks that matches that hat is also in the I, breakdown store. But if you sign up, you will get a discount code at the bottom of your. I, I I send a, I personally send the email out to every person who signs up. At the bottom there's a promo code for the store. It's an entire purchase store. So if you like the merch and you haven't signed, and you want to join the message board, you get benefits from both of them. So make sure you take advantage of that. Definitely take advantage of that. So everybody, we will see you again tonight at seven o'clock. make sure that you hit that notification bell so you'll be back. Ryan won't be there. He's got some things to handle, but I'll be there. Vince will be there uh we're going to probably introduce devin jackson to you all tonight so devin's going to pop by the show for a little bit who uh dropped the Jaden osbury story today he's done a great job so far for us Uh, we're gonna have him on for a little bit kind of introduce you all to him let him give his thoughts on the subject matter at hand and uh may may working on trying to get john garcia ready to get on the show as well so i i am uh looking forward to that very 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 much so see you all at seven o'clock have a great rest of your day great questions today everybody And thank you all so very much for joining and being a part of the Irish Breakdown Podcast.